Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Spending time with Jesus will humble you. It won't make you proud. I don't spend time with Jesus and come out saying, I'm good. I spend time with Jesus saying, man, God, you're good. You're merciful. You're so good that, you know, it breaks you. It humbles you. It's a good thing. I think it's the answer to pride. And so anybody here struggling with pride just need to spend some more time with Jesus. It'll heal you. You'll be delivered of pride. Nobody spends time with Jesus and walks away feeling arrogant. We feel broken. We feel humbled. And you'll be a lot more useful to him in that condition. Are you struggling with pride? Pride can ambush you from behind. Do you need help? Pastor Bill offers up the antidote to pride today, which is spending time with Jesus. Pride comes when we don't know who Jesus really is, which naturally puts us in a better light than we really are. Once we compare ourselves to his awesomeness and majesty, we are humbled. When we spend time with him, we discover more of his nature. Let's spend quality time with Jesus and watch him obliviate our pride. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. As much as God gives grace and gives us what we don't deserve and all of that, God said, also, I give mercy. I, I release you from guilt. You guys, what you do deserve and, you know, you feel like I need to pay for what I did. God said, mercy, you don't get what you deserve. You get a fresh slate in him. What this should produce in the life of the believer is it should produce it. It should be easy for us to worship. Uh, there should be no lack of motivation to serve to God after after all that you've done for me. Uh, my response to that should be it should just flow from my life service to the Lord. Verse 14, it says, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. And so, again, he speaks of the grace of God, the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. God just giving me what I don't deserve. And, and Paul was gifted. Um, God, right, right out the gate, you know, God had a purpose and a plan for his life. And Paul is recounting these things. He was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. And I think it's interesting that Paul is sharing all this with Timothy. Timothy would be more like the kid that grew up in a Christian family, had Christian heritage. Um, as early as he can look back, he knew the Lord. And he's just growing in his faith. He's, he's going to grow deeper in his faith. Paul was saying, Paul was like that guy who's like, man, I was out there. I smoked crack. I shot people. I did it all. Now I got saved. That's Paul's testimony. Timothy's the other guy where it's like, hey, I, I just, I really, I never did drugs. I never got drunk. I never fornicated. And as far as I can look back, I believed in Jesus. And so some people think that this wild, crazy testimony is I, I, some there are kids that are stupid enough. I hope y'all don't. But there's kids stupid. Well, I'm gonna just live my life. I gotta I gotta build up my testimony. I, I've heard people say this. I gotta build up my. <laughs> that's the stupidest thing I have ever heard. I'm gonna just say this. I thank God that He'll give someone over here uh, that He'll that God will redeem us out of this. Cause I'm I'm from this. But I'm telling you that the better story is right here. The person that says, "Man, God's kept me." God gave me a spiritual heritage. I had parents that taught me in the Lord and I grew up in the God. And I never got that far out. The God, God kept me from. I'm saying that's a better testimony. Don't feel like if you're young and you ain't blown your life out. Don't feel like you got to go do that because some people never make it back from there. Some people never make it back. Some people trying to go build up their testimony die in their sin. And so if you've been graced to be here, praise God for that. That's a testimony. Thank God for how he's kept you. Thank him for what he's done to bring you into a knowledge of him early. Be thankful for that. That's Timothy. Paul, again, Paul's over here and, 
And we can thank God for both. Right. We both go to the same heaven. We both serve at the same churches. We both come hand in hand and we, you know, we need both. God did great things through Paul and he would do great things with Timothy. Um, but there there is the difference. So Paul said, look, um, his grace, the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. And so um, and I just want to point those components, faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Just those both fruits, things that should abound and flow from the life of the believer. Verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And so Paul says first, hey, here's a faithful saying. It's worthy of all acceptance. And he just tells us, what did Jesus come here for? To save sinners. And then Paul says, whom I'm chief. I'll come back to the fact that he says I'm chief. I think we need to remember that, that Jesus came into the world to do one. He came to save sinners. That's what he came for. He was fine. He was in heaven where he belonged. Um, he was being worshipped by the angels 24-7. He was being receiving honor and glory 24-7 like he deserves. He interrupted all of that and came to earth because there were sinners, because we needed help. He came into the world to save sinners. And when I, when I recount, when I look at the story and I look at the gospel story, I look at what God did, all that he did to make provision for my mess ups. Um, and I realized that that's what Jesus came to do. He came to save and he came to inter- and intervene in people's lives. So two things. Either you're if you're a believer and if you receive that God's intervened in your life, um, then God wants to continue that work because he came one time. And the first time Jesus came, he came to do what? He came to die for sin. He came to save sinners. When he comes back, what's he coming to do? The judge. It's going to be different, right? He came the first time saying, hey, I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm throwing out life vests and, 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 and what's the circle things, uh, the lifesavers. I'm, I'm on a salvation mission on the first trip. And so people misunderstand that, you know, he's coming back to judge. It's going to be different. You don't want to hang around for the second, the second trip. You know, you, you want to be ready. You want to be ready to meet him. And so some people won't even make it to the, you don't want to meet God in judgment Um, because as awesome as he is in salvation and grace and mercy and his goodness and all of that, he's just as awesome in his judgment. And so, um, you know, it's like someone that can love deeply, but also you don't want to cross him. You know, you know, people like that where it's like, man, it's just it depends on what side of them you fall up. They love you. They love you hard. But if you cross them, you get all crossed up. You know, um, that's that the Lord is saying, look, I, I if, if you come for salvation, oh, man, everything you need. I mean, I have mercy, grace, forgiveness, justification. I mean, I, I just lavish it upon you. You die in your sin. You die having rejected Jesus. It's a bad thing. Think about someone dying. Standing before God who says, I went through some difficulty to save you. I sent my only son to earth. First time in eternity. We've been one for eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've never been separated, but I endured separation from him for you so you could be saved. I watched him be disrespected. I watched him be humiliated. I watched him be beaten. I watched him endure pain. I watched him die on the cross for you. He did all that for you. And I sent people to tell you the message of what he did for you. And you blew it off and you blew it off. And you blew, and now you die and you stand before God having rejected it. Um, you're not in a good space. You're not on the right side of God. At that point, there is nothing left but judgment. 
And so as awesome as salvation is, completely wiping away your sins, promise of heaven, you know, hope for the future, all these different things. Hell is a horrible thought. Um, and so, you know, Paul says, so however, for this reason, I obtain mercy that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to point out the last part of verse 15 um, that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. He says, of whom I am chief. When Paul says that he's the chief of sinners, it's not that he's the worst sinner in the world, but Paul is recognizing that he recognizes his sin. And so for some people, they look at this and they think, man, Paul was a he was still as a believer. He was the worst sinner. That's not what it is. If you what you find as you look at Paul's writings is that the closer he got to the Lord, the more aware of his sinfulness he became. He's not he's actually doing better. He's, you know, sanctification is having his work in Paul's life. He's, he's probably a much holier man. But the longer he walks with the Lord, Paul is saying, man, I'm just more aware of my own sinful condition. If you're writing notes, write this down, write down 1 Corinthians 15, 9. Here, Paul calls himself. He says, I'm the least of the apostles. They're all the apostles. I'm just the least of them all. Now, as I read it, Paul's the greatest of them all. Paul wrote more than any of them. He wrote the majority of your New Testament. Um, no one did as much as far as action that I can read in my New Testament than Paul. But Paul says, hey, I'm the least of the apostles. Then if you write down next, write down Ephesians chapter three, verse eight. And then he says, um, I'm the least of the saints. I'm the least of all the saints. First, I'm the least of the apostles. Then Paul says, now this is after this. So time has gone by since he saw himself as the least of the apostles. Now he goes on further and Paul says, you know what? <laughs> I'm not just the least of the apostles. I'm the least of all the saints. That's all the Christians. How does he become the least of all the Christians? And then what we see right here in 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says, man, I'm the chief of sinners. Somebody would say today, Paul's got low self-esteem. We need to put him in a class and teach him how to love himself, you know, but that's not what's happening. Paul has not got low self-esteem. Paul is OK. Paul is just saying, look, I, I'm, I'm aware of where I'm at. The, the closer I get to the Lord, the more I realize my sinfulness. And I, I believe that that's a, it's a great indicator for us. Whenever you find somebody that's full of pride, thinks that they're thinks more of themselves than they ought to think, you know, for sure they're not spending quality time with Jesus. Because I don't care how great you are, the more time you spend with the Lord, the more you will be aware of how, how much work there is to be done. Spending time with Jesus will humble you. It won't make you proud. I don't spend time with Jesus and come out saying, I'm good. I spend time with Jesus saying, man, God, you're good. <laughs> you're merciful. You're so good that, you know, it breaks you. It humbles you. It's a good thing. I think it's the answer to pride. And so anybody here struggling with pride just need to spend some more time with Jesus. It'll heal you. You'll be delivered of pride. Nobody spends time with Jesus and walks away feeling arrogant. We feel broken. We feel humbled. And you'll be a lot more useful to him in that condition. And so verse 16 now, Paul says, however, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe in him for everlasting life. And so for this reason, for who he was, for all that he's done, Paul said, for these reasons, um, I have obtained mercy. And he says that God's using me as an example that that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern for those who are going to believe in him for everlasting. Life. Paul said, my life's a pattern. So if God could save me and then use me, then God could save you and use you. You've seen who I am. You've seen what I've done. You've seen my weaknesses. I'm a pattern. I'm an example that you guys can you can mark me and say if God did it for him. God would do it for me. And so once again, 
I don't believe anybody's that far gone, that messed up, whatever you may have done. Um, the question really is, have you come to him yet? Um, whatever we were outside of Christ, God said, that's, that's fine. I washed that away. But have you, have you come to him yet? Have you, have you begun to walk with Jesus? Um, that's where we want to be in a place where now I'm walking with him. Now I'm in relationship with him. Now I'm giving God full access. He rules. He reigns in my life. And we let him use us for his glory. Verse 17. And now he begins kind of a, a, a closing, even though we're just in the first chapter. But it's a, it, there's, there's worship in this. There's praise in this. Uh, and he says, now, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And it's, it's, it's an interesting place. I mean, it's right in the middle of the chapter. Paul's talked about, you know, preserving our doctrine, being careful with the gospel, what God's done in his life. And it says, though, right in the midst of all this, Paul's like, I got just I got just praise God real quick. I mean, he just he just wants to give thanks to the Lord. And he's right here in the middle of it. The flow of this, it doesn't really go. But Paul just stops and says, you know what? Right here now into the king, eternal, immortal, um, invisible to God alone, who alone is wise. Uh, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And I believe that, again, the one of the fruits of God's grace, God's mercy, God's work in our lives should be that that we should be people that praise. We should be people that give thanks. That should be on our lips um, as you know, we go around as a believer. Right. Um, whatever else may be going on in your life, there ought to always be something for which we can thank God. There ought to always be cause to give him glory, to give him thanks. You want to take opportunity to do that on a regular basis. I think it's bad when Christians, um, you know, we just we complain like everybody else. Maybe everybody else at work is mad about whatever they mad about. Um, you know, and I'm not saying you got to be the uh, you know, I'm seeing people be annoying. Bless God, brother. You know, it's like we all got docked our pay. What you mean? Bless God. You know, but I'm not saying be weird or be annoying. But I am saying this. I mean, do, is there a good side? You know, man, they, they docked our pay. You know what we they did? I'm just going to thank God I got a job, though. I got I mean, some people ain't got no pay to get docked. So I'm going to thank God for that. I'm going to find there, there's, there's something for which I can give thanks. And if all of the stuff is gone, I'm still going to heaven when I die. I thank God for that. That, that can't be taken away from us, you guys. Like that, that that's where we want to place that. If we, if we count that as valuable as it is, then when everything else is rickety and shaky, we can still be thankful. And I'm going to heaven. I used to be going to hell. I'm not now. I used to be blind. Now I see. I used to be lost. Now I'm found. That can't be taken away. I'm always that'll always be the case for me from now on. Now until I get to go to heaven. Right. Same for you guys that have believed this. Not, it can't be taken away. It can't be diminished. It can only grow deeper. And so the world may be going like this and stuff may be going like this and difficult things may be happening. But going to heaven when it's all said and done, I am on my way to heaven. And so for that, we can be thankful. We can glorify God. We can give him thanks for it. Um, and so, again, Paul just stops here and praises God. And just a few of the things that he says to the king eternal, uh, just to point out that there's always been kings and always been people in charge and always been people in leadership. But the unique thing about Jesus is that he's the king eternal. Uh, he'll never stop being the king. Every earthly king dies. Every earthly leader reign will end at some point in time. Not Jesus. He's the king eternal. And that's why we say he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Um, they'll never come an end to his reign because he's the only king whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And so when you fall under a king whose kingdom is on this earth, your king and your kingdom will come to an end. But when you've made Jesus your king, 
Um, when, when, when you're part of the kingdom of God, when that's your, he's your king and this is your kingdom, you're now under king eternal. His kingdom will never come to an end. So now into the king eternal, he's immortal. He will never die. He'll never stop. Everything that Jesus is, he'll never stop being. He's immortal, invisible. That's why we worship him by faith, right? Jesus doesn't join us in the flesh during a worship service. Uh, we believe that he's present. We believe that when we gather in his name, when we speak about him, we pray to him, when we praise him, that he's present. He says he inhabits the praises of his people. So I believe that he's with us, but we don't see him. He's, he's invisible. And he says to God alone, who is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And I just would point that out. God alone, who is wise. Where does wisdom come from? Comes from God. Um, you know, some people think you get wiser as you get older. That's not necessarily the case. Anybody here ever met an old fool? I have a lot of them. If you just if you do the wrong thing for a long time, you just you're older, but you're not wise. You're actually more locked into your foolishness. I've met old people like that. And so um, old age doesn't equate wisdom. Knowledge doesn't equate wisdom. Books don't equate wisdom because if you're reading books that were written by men that don't know God, there's some educated fools. And so um, there's some people with PhDs, but they're fools. They don't believe in God. Right. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And so they're educated fools. Right. That where does wisdom come from? It comes from God. That's it. You can have a 10 year old that's got wisdom because they're listening to the Lord with faith, full of wisdom. And they just speak it in truth. They're little kids. Sometimes that, you listen to little kids and they just you teach them the Bible story. And they believe it by faith. And then they let them tell you later on. It's like, that was why. That's, that's right on. That's just, that's just you're astounding your wisdom, young lady or young man. You know, just that's just the word of God. And so that's why we want to the kids are in there right now getting the word. They're going to be wise in the Lord. Um, that's where wisdom comes from, you guys. So so to him alone, who is wise. And so when you don't know what to do, when you're not sure um, you want to get wisdom, seek God, get it from the word of God. It's, it's never been wrong. Um, th there's never going to be a time when you seek him for how he says to do it and you do it the way God says to do it. And you find that wasn't the right way to do it. He's always right about everything. He's the only one that that, that can be said about. And we have access to him 24 um, seven. We need to take advantage of that. That's why we pray. That's why we seek the Lord. That's why before we make decisions, we want to cry out to him and seek him because he alone is wise. He knows everything. How foolish would it be to have access 24-7 to an all-knowing God and not bother to ask him before we do stuff? That's not wise. That's, 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 uh, that's just that's just no wisdom in that, right? I have access to him. If you had a human being that you knew knew everything, you would call him every time about everything. But it takes faith to call God and it takes patience to wait for an answer. And that's why we don't. That's why we run without him sometimes. But it takes faith and patience. Uh, but sometimes you take a little faith and a little patience to hear God and wait on him, believe what he says and wait on him. It'll save you a lot of time, save you a lot of heartache. And so um, we have access to the all wise God who alone is wise. And it says be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And so those things belong to him. Honor belongs to the Lord. Glory belongs to the Lord. And that's what we seek to do. Uh, give him all the honor, all the glory and everything that we do. Um, because he deserves it. He's worthy of it. And he alone. Uh, there's no man that should be honored and glorified. Jesus should be every time we gather in this way. Jesus is the one to receive honor and glory. Not a man, not a person, not a group, not a God. He alone. And um, I believe that it, when, when that's our focus, it, it, it's healthy for us 
that we would worship him, that we would glorify him. Uh, everybody else is potentially let you down. Um, you glorify a man, man let you down. And then what? You bummed out. You kicking cans. But you glorify Jesus, he'll never let you down. He'll never fall. He'll never fail. He'll never fall short. He'll never make a mistake. He'll never make a wrong judgment. He'll always be what he's always been. All-knowing, powerful God. And so that's why we point to him and we direct people to him to seek him. Verse 18 now. Now Paul changes the tone here. He's speaking to Timothy. He's going to charge him or command him. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy. And we talked about that last week, how that he viewed Timothy as a son, not biologically, but as a son in the faith, as someone that he was ministering to. We looked at another place where Paul said, there's no one else like minded like Timothy. No one else has my heart. If I'm going to send someone to you that I know will communicate my heart to you guys, I'm going to send Timothy. No one else has like minded. And so he says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Interesting that the first charge Paul gives Timothy as he's been speaking about the gospel, speaking about what God's done in his life and all these things, Paul says, now I, I charge you this according to the prophecies and the prophecies over Timothy, will, as we continue to go through this book, we'll see are concerning God's call upon his life. That they had laid, the elders had laid hands on him at some point and, and had spoken over him. There was a call of God upon his life. We'll see also that Timothy is a timid guy. That he's not, a, he's not bold. Paul sounds like a guy that was like, he just about it. He bold and courageous. He was bold without God. He was bold in God. Timothy's more timid. And so he's going to be continue, you know, continually exhorted and encouraged to, to be bold. And so here Paul says right out the gate, Timothy, as you get going, if you're going to stand for the gospel, if you're going to, if you're going to walk this walk out the way I'm calling you to walk. And he says, I want you to wage the good warfare because there's going to be a war. There's going to be a battle. Um, anybody here that's doing ministry or seeking to glorify God, living for him, um, it, there is a war. And what the war does to some is some are, some are beat down by the war. Some people engage in the battle and they just quit. That can't do it. It's too much. Paul tells Timothy, I want you to wage the good warfare. And I want to explain what that looks like. Um, warfare is for a purpose, right? When you get going forward to do something for God. And I've endured this uh, in many different times. I'm, I've dealt with some things just last week. And so it's, for me, it's fresh. There are times where God will say, I want you to do this. And you start going to do this, what God said do. And Satan's like, how can I stop you from doing that warfare? I'm going to throw some stuff at you. I'm going to throw some things to discourage you from doing it. And you get out there and that, ooh, discouraging thing. And either you be discouraged or not. Either it's successful at discouraging you or not. But that's what Satan's trying to do, to get you to not do it. How can I get you to not do that? Maybe you overcome the initial discouragement or whatever. And you, so you keep moving forward to do what God had told you to do. And then the warfare comes from another kind of attack. One thing that Satan has on us, you guys, that the Bible says that he, he has studied us. And so we're all different. Right. Say he, he knows how to how to really how to really ruin your day. Um, if you got buttons, Satan, he's been watching you for a long time. He knows where they're at. Say knows that, oh, if all you need is the sniffles and you'll fall back. Sickness. There you go. I can't go. I'm sick. <laughs> you know, um, for some of us, yeah, I'm going to stir up some mess in your kids. Sometimes there'll be people that are saved whose kids are not saved. I'm going to stir up some things in your kids. It's going to break your heart, distract you, disappoint you. And you're going to just feel like I don't have energy to do nothing. Sometimes, and I've experienced this, my wife and I both, 
that Satan will literally put into the mouth of somebody things to come and just just bring direct discouragement for what you're doing. And you have to look at it and say that was from the devil. Thank you for joining us today on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're so glad you took the time to be here. Pastor Bill is diving into the book of 1 Timothy, a letter Paul wrote to the young pastor with words of wisdom on how to lead. Paul taught Timothy to serve in humility by sharing his own story of salvation. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly and in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. There is no quicker antidote to pride than to look at who you were when Jesus found you. As you guide people to Jesus, remember where you were and be open with your story. The world doesn't need a perfect leader. It needs humble people to lead them to the Savior. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Did you want to hear more from Pastor Bill or listen to today's message again? You can find today's message and many others on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to do some deeper study for yourself, we have a daily Bible reading plan you can join in on with us. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll be back right here next time for more in the book of 1 Timothy on A Transforming Word. <music>